Well, good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be here again. And this time, at the end, I'm supposed to remember to take the offering. Last time I didn't take the offering, so let me know. If someone catches me not taking the offering, just holler out. So, Carrie had a great sermon last week, and I loved having a long-distance introduction from him. That was just wonderful. But at the same time, wow, what kind of a guy just can't take a break, right? <laughs> he sends us in a video on his time off. I think I'm going to have to put my counselor hat on and uh, talk to him about what time off really means. But if you missed his sermon last week, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, it was really good. He told us some neat stories and he really kind of framed the church as a place that we belong, a place that we all belong. So as we're kind of looking at the church and moving on along that again, um, we, we look and we're going to kind of step into the church and we're going to look and we're going to say, you know, what is the church, right? When you think about the church, a lot of people in their mind, they, they picture the steeple, right? The classic steeple, right? Or some people, the beautiful stained glass, right? They think, ah, that's the church, but is that the church? Some people think like pews are the church. But, you know, we're kind of a different church, so we don't see pews as the kind of the church, right? We think, ah, this is the church, right? But is it the church? Some people think the church is like rules about how you dress, how you act, what you do. Is that what the church is all about? A bunch of rules. There was this little game when I was a kid that they taught about the church. And you put your hands together like that. And it's like, here's the church, and here's the steeple, and you open it up, and here are the people, right? And it was like this, how you teach a little Sunday school kid that the church really is more than the building. The church is the people. So an early lesson about that is kind of really important to be able to look back and learn and remember. So Hebrews 10.24 talks about the church as people. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting together. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's what the church is about. But gathering together, when you think gathering together, you think, oh, gathering together. Lots of people gather together, right? Sometimes we gather together to play, right? To be entertained. Sometimes we gather together to compete or to celebrate a victory. Sometimes we gather together to protest, right? And try to right a wrong. Sometimes we gather together to shop, even if we really don't want to. But gathering together, 
But all these are gatherings. But what makes the church different than all of these other gatherings? Right? Are we gathering together just like everyone else to shop, to be entertained, to compete, to protest? Why are we gathering together? So what makes the difference is why we gather together. The why is the difference. The first video talked about one purpose, one mission, one passion, one calling. Like, we're different, but these things make us here for the same reason. As the verse in Hebrew said, we're to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encouraging one another. But we as a church, there are a whole bunch of us. It's easy to kind of head different ways and look at different things and want different things. And how does that work out? But even though we're all different, one of the neat things about church is it's a place that we can all belong. So let's kind of dig in and look a little more at the church. The Awakening Church is a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's kind of, it's a denomination that's kind of over us. It gives us direction. It gives pastors accountability. And they really look at church and they break it down and they have a neat kind of three-part look at what a church should be. First, they say it should be Christ-centered. It should be an Acts 118 church. And it should be a family. So we're going to break all of those down. We're going to take a look at them one at a time. And first and foremost is Christ-centered. The motto that goes with that for the CMA is all of Jesus for all the world. All of Jesus for all the world. Having a Christ-centered church is important. So you might ask, why? Why Christ-centered? You know, because God, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, people, us. So that's important to remember. That's an important foundation to our belief as a church. And then next... Genesis 3 talks about people sinned. The story of Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, but everyone kind of followed suit. So we've got Adam and Eve. We've got God having created the world. Then we get to Romans 3.23, and it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So like, not just Adam and Eve, but we all carried it forward and we're all sinners and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Romans 6.23. So we've got this problem of sin, but there's this solution to that problem and that solution is Jesus. John 3:16 and 17 says for God so loved the world that he gave his own his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So that's the why Jesus part. We all need Jesus, and that's why we need all of Jesus for all the world. Is Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Kind of spells it out why we need Jesus. And then Romans 10, 9 kind of wraps it up. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, some of you have a long-standing relationship with God and have done that forever ago. Some of you may be like, oh, wow. Wow, I, I want more of that. I want to figure out more about that. So if you are at that place where you want more about that, come and talk to somebody afterwards. We're happy to talk you through it, walk you through that a little bit more. For those of you who have had a relationship with Christ and know that, Remember, this is how you share it. This is how you talk about your story. So that first part, being Christ-centered, is very important. Because Jesus is the answer to our sin. The second part is an Acts 118 church. So Acts 118 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. So when you think about that, you look at that, the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is with us and helps us be the church. So we don't have to do it on our own. It's not on our power that we go out and do all of this. The Holy Spirit is there. But then we're called to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem. You think Jerusalem. Jerusalem was like the hub of a lot of the early church. It's Jesus, when he was doing his ministry, did a lot of stuff out of there. It's where he was crucified, died, resurrected, and it's where the church began. So for them, in Jerusalem, that's like right in their spot. Now Judea, another name for Judah, is like the bigger area, but it's still their spot. It's still the place of the Israelites. So it's like still our place, but the bigger version of our place. But then Samaria. Samaria, Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. You don't go to Samaria. They're like the outcasts. So this is saying, oh, you even go like to the outcasts. And then to the ends of the earth. Not only do you go to the outcasts, you go beyond them to all of the ends of the earth. So when you look at that as part of the church, that's a pretty big calling, isn't it? 
that not only are we supposed to go to the people we like and the people around us, but to the people we don't like or are scared of or don't get along with and to everyone else. So when we look at this, we're kind of taking the early church and what Jesus told the early church and putting that into how we are the church today. So we're Christ-centered and the Holy Spirit helps us live this out to the ends of the earth. And then we move to the third part. Their third thing is family. That we are a church family. It says that we're best when we do this together, serving in a local church and among a community of local churches. We're family. Now, when you think family, I work with families. I counsel families. I see them when they're good. I see them when they're bad. I see all the ugly. All of that is family. And like in the church, when we're like family, we get the good, the bad, and the ugly of each other, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't that way, but we go back to that. We're all sinners, right? In need of a Savior. And sometimes living together in the church community can be hard. But we're a family. We're called to be together. Acts 2.42, a little bit after the 1.8, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the early church made all of those things central to what they did, and that made them important. And they did all of those things together. They did them together. So let's kind of get back to that idea of you belong here, right? Now, remember all of those tests? Which one of those is not like the other, right? And then my favorite version of those is this one, right? <laughs> Which one of those is not like the other, right? But which one of those is not like the other? There was the song, there was like the game, there were these social media posts, and they've really gotten more creative with them, right? Like, which of these is not like the other on social media is a new level, right? Which of those is not like the other, right? This one too, I love that one. <laughs> I thought that one was just funny. Yeah, which of these is not like the other? It's easy to pick out sometimes, harder to pick out sometimes. <laughs> but which of those is not like the other? One of the problems, though, is, is that if you decide that's how you figure out if you fit in, then you're never going to fit in. That's not what it's all about. We can't go to church and play which one of these is not like the other. That's not what church is about. That's not why we're here. That's not who we are. 
So 1 Corinthians says, Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Notice all the ones in there, right? That no matter how we view ourselves and how we look at ourselves, we are one. And the idea of the body is the perfect picture of that. It goes on to say, Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That's talking about the church. That's talking about us. I don't have to be like you and you don't have to be like me, but we are all part of the body of Christ. The I cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, and the hand cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Now we're talking about the church, right? There should be no division within the body. But that its parts should have an equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Family. Family. So what makes us think sometimes that we don't belong? Are we over there going, I'm not a hand, so I don't fit in at that church? Or is it something more like, eh, I don't like that music. It's a little loud. A little too much guitar. Is it, wow, I'm struggling and everyone in there is not struggling. 
or even worse, I'm not struggling and everyone in there is struggling. <laughs> right? We come up with all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Unfortunately, sometimes it's we don't get our way. We think we know what's best. We don't get what we want. At this point, you can just kind of fill in the blank, right? Everybody has some tendencies like that, has some things that we want to think about. What's yours that would make you say, oh, I don't really fit in there, right? But different does not mean that we're not one. You belong here, and Jesus says so. Isn't that one of the best things in the world, right? Jesus says so. That's way better than Dad said, right? Jesus said, you belong here. Who's to argue with him? Now, to the cycle back kind of to that Acts 118 idea, that was Jesus kind of sharing his expectations. There was another place that he did that in Matthew 18, or 28, 19 through 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Right? This idea of making disciples. Making disciples is important. Making disciples is a part of what we're here for. And making disciples takes truth and grace. Truth and grace. It's kind of like parenting, right? Parenting, you need structure and you need nurture. It's kind of like truth is like structure. Truth is important because it gives you structure. And grace is like the love part, the nurture part. Grace is where forgiveness kind of feeds in. So truth and grace is really important. One of the things about it is if if you're trying to make disciples and you don't have any truth, then you don't make good disciples, right? Because if I tell you, hey, we're going to be Jesus followers, go do whatever you want. Does that make a good Jesus follower? No. No. You need the truth. You need to get into your Bible. You need to look. You need to see what it says about how you need to act, how you need to think, what you need to do, what you need to not do. You need that truth. What would happen if nobody shared truth with each other in the church? Then there would be no difference in the church than all those other gathering together pictures that we talked about. Truth helps set apart who we are. But we can't forget that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we need grace. And you need to do that with each other. You need to realize that we're all sinners, and that makes us all the same. And as much as you want to compare your sin to someone else's so you feel better, that doesn't help anybody. We're all in the same boat, and we all need grace. 
But because we all need grace doesn't mean that we stop sharing truth with each other. Doesn't mean that at all. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need each other to help kind of sharpen each other and to get off all of that sin that we get tangled in. That's truth. But we need to be graceful when we point it out. We need to be loving and kind and genuine along the way. And you think, I hear a lot about grace, but what about that truth stuff? In Matthew, it goes through a whole set of things in Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, you go point it out to them, just the two of you, right? And then if that doesn't work, you don't want to just leave them in sin. Then you go and you get someone from the church to go with you. There's this whole process that says you need to take truth to each other. But it doesn't say leave grace aside. Sometimes it's hard to find that balance. We tend to be one-sided or the other-sided. We're like, oh man, I really like that truth. I'm going to go thump somebody with it. Or like, man, grace everywhere. And then you don't stand for anything because you focused on grace everywhere. So when you think about this need for truth and grace, I want to remind you that we have life groups. We had signups last week. The signups are going to be out there again. Life groups are a great place to learn to balance truth and grace. You can learn to become more like Christ and help each other through the struggles of doing this while you're living life. So if you're not in one, we have a lot of them. The signups will be out in the front on your way out. I encourage you to, to find one and get plugged in because the church isn't just on Sunday mornings. The church gathers together all through the week. The church prays together. Praying for each other is wonderful. The church gathers together and studies the Bible and kind of sharpens each other. So it's way more than just meeting on Sunday. It's kind of a lifestyle. It's meeting the way you want it to be. So one of the things that we do as the body of Christ, the church, is we do things to remember Christ. 